Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 112. On today's episode, I speak with fellow podcaster and gamer, John Jagger. If you're part of the Frog Pants community, you know John from a bunch of shows over there, including There Will Be Dungeons, Core, he has Azeroth Roundtable, his own World of Warcraft podcast, and he also just found out the exciting news that he's going to be a dad. Now, upon hearing this news, and John is one of my favorite people on the internet, I had to reach out to him, and we had a really great conversation about what he's expecting going into fatherhood. First, we talk about how life sets you on paths that you weren't quite expecting, and it opens up new possibilities. You know, life has a funny way of showing you maybe you're into things you didn't necessarily even know you were into, and and I didn't really think, yeah, I could be a... I could take care of kids or I could be a dad. You know, none of these were thoughts that I was necessarily having. And a couple years down the line, all of a sudden I'm in both camps. We talk about how to handle the delicate nature of step-parent relationships. For me, it was important to set my own mental boundaries and to say that when I am over there, I am a guest. I'm a guest in their home. They're a home, they're a family, they're a unit, and I'm coming in to be a part of that. John shares some of the challenges that come along with family life in 2020 and quarantine, and how they're working with a small space with their growing family. Right now, everybody's living on top of each other. There's no escape. We have a really good conversation about the importance of raising boys to become men who show love and compassion towards others. I don't care if you're a football player or into dinosaurs or a math nerd or whatever this kid's going to end up being as long as you're the kind of person that can look at another human being and go i should show some compassion towards that person and finally i learned something about john that i never knew before john shares an interest he once had as a child but his parents weren't very supportive of very rarely ever a barrier except for one time when I came home and said, guys, I want to be a lounge singer. <laughs> what? Here's my conversation with John Jagger. John Jagger, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you, man. I'm, I'm happy because, you know, I've interacted with you a bit over, you know, like I think we played a couple games together and over social media and such, but never have I ever had a good conversation with John Jagger about being a dad. And here we are. So first and foremost, congratulations to you and your fiance on expecting a a little one uh why don't we take a second and and introduce you and your fiance and your upcoming little one sure uh well hi i'm john uh i'm a podcaster gamer do a bunch of shows um recently engaged to amanda who is my partner and um we have just entered we're a little bit into the second trimester with the baby congratulations a boy or girl it's going to be a boy. Oh, congratulations. So yeah. um, not not to necessarily switch gears to me for a second, but something I'll, I'll tell you is that we were expecting to have a girl in November and we literally just found out it's going to be a boy. Oh, <laughs> it's like <laughs> we. Yeah, we we didn't even know that we were going to know at this point necessarily. Um, it, you know, it was an interesting road for us. And uh, we, we've had some bumps and through the genetic testing, we got a 99% sure that it's a boy. So if it ends up being a girl, it will be a surprise. Well, but, you know, it's 2020, dude. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> thrown anything out. Anything can happen this year. Oh, that's funny. And, and as you mentioned, you're a podcaster. You're well known in the Frog Pants community. Uh, I've had a bunch of folks from there, including Scott and Kyle on this show. 
uh, happy to add another one. And you, uh, you, let me think. The first time that I remembered hearing your voice was in, you know, some of the content Scott was doing even before Core or anything like that. How did you really get engaged with the Frog Fans community? So I got my start. Uh, I knew Scott a little bit. We had interacted online. We had emailed. Uh, he had a lot of the same interests that I did. So I just reach out to him here and there in email and then later on social media when we both were on Twitter. And I jokingly told him as he was gearing up for the Diablo show at one point, I said, hey, man, I'm going to submit something to it as Deckard Kane. And he said, yeah, sure, you should. Yeah. Uh, and I did. And that was the first time he he had sort of really put me on the on the network in any capacity. Um, and I think either before that or around that time, we were in a raid team together on World of Warcraft. So he kind of knew of me. We had interacted a bit. And then eventually he just reached out and said, hey, man, you you crack me up every week in raid and I want to do something with you. We need to figure out something to do. Oh, I love and it. that's eventually when we got around to figuring out what that was. That was core. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. Yeah, no, I've lived. I've loved listening to you over the years. Um, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, and I've also really enjoyed just speaking of the voices, you know, what you did with Deckard Kane. loved hearing your your input on there will be dungeons as uh, as Stanley and you, you do a wonderful job with all your different voices. I won't say too much for those who haven't listened to the show. I highly encourage you to do that, and we'll we'll hear a little bit more about uh, some of the projects that you're working on a little bit later in the show. But uh, definitely happy to have you here. And you know, let, let's talk about the family dynamic, kind of sh shifting gears a bit here. You know, you and your fiance are expecting a little one, but. This isn't kind of your first foray into parenting, if you will. I mean, she has a couple of little ones, not little ones anymore. Uh, but do you want to introduce us to that dynamic of being a part of her kids' lives? Yeah, so she has uh, two kids, a boy and a girl, um, from a from a previous marriage, and you know, that was the that was the wild dynamic for us. You know, when I met her, I wasn't even really looking to date anybody necessarily. And I certainly didn't expect to be suddenly thrust into a relationship that involved children. I wasn't even sure at the time if I wanted children. Um, but, you know, life has a funny way of showing you, you know, maybe you're into things you didn't necessarily even know you were into. And and I didn't really think, yeah, I could be a, I could take care of kids or I could be a dad. You know, none of these were thoughts that I was necessarily having. And, you know, a couple years down the line, all of a sudden I'm in, I'm in both camps. So uh, it was a, it was a very different dynamic to yeah, suddenly man. come into a household that's already established. And it feels almost like a, uh, Personally, I never was made to feel this way, but personally, you feel almost like a trespasser because all of a sudden you have these people that, you know, have known each other their entire lives. You've got two little ones who are completely dependent on their their mom and you're walking in and they have no idea who you are. And it just feels like you're walking in and going, look at me. I'm important. Pay attention to me. Right. And there's a level of just it's almost like imposter syndrome in a weird sort of way of just like, who is this guy? Like I'm looking at it from their perspective and going, who is this man? Why is he here? Why does he have any place in our lives whatsoever? 
but thankfully, that's not the response I got from the kids. Uh, they were extremely welcoming and nice, but it's always in the back of your head. Yeah, you know, you, you said something that is really interesting. You, you said that you feel like a, a trespasser. And I've talked to a lot of dads on this show who have entered into a relationship with somebody who has kids or they have kids and somebody else is entering into their lives or, you know, some kind of dynamic like that. What did you do to make yourself feel a little bit less like a trespasser and kind of overcome some of that imposter syndrome that you talked about? I think for me, the, the way I did it, I don't know if I'd even recommend it. But for me, it was important to set my own mental boundaries and to say that when I am over there uh, during the dating period, uh, when I am over there, I am a guest. I'm a guest in their home. They're a home. They are a family. They are a unit. And I'm coming in to be a part of that and to treat that relationship as guest in a house. And so I didn't presume to tell them what to do. I didn't presume to say this is the way it's going to be. Uh, I may have had some comments for her on the side, but I didn't do it to them. I just, you know, John's coming over. It's like a guest coming over. And I reserved any sort of ownership of the situation until we actually all moved in together because then to me, that was then a logical point to go, hey, look, we are sharing this space now. This isn't your home. This isn't my home. This is our home, which means we need to figure this out together, all of us. And that does mean that there's a relationship change, but that's the agreement we're making by all coming together in this one place. Yeah, very well said, John. I think that one of the things that you that you talk, talked about there when they moved in, you guys, you know, kind of got on the same page. Uh, what was that like for you having, you know, if you think about your life, bachelor, you know, uh, I'm sure you're pretty, you know, autonomous at that point. And then you're jumping into a relationship, but not just a relationship with a significant other, but also with their kids. So when you guys all started living together, what sort of challenges did you face? Well, it's been nonstop challenges. I mean, I definitely feel like from the moment we said, let's move in together, uh, you know, we flipped the switch to hard mode and we've continued to unlock exciting, new, more challenging difficulties along the way. Uh, we moved in um, and we literally hired movers to help us move everything in. And we were sitting there going, I don't know if they're going to show up because this COVID-19 business, I don't know if they're going to cancel on us. And so we were moving in at the start of all of this, God, how <laughs> what all is going dude. down. Oh my God. We didn't have the kids for a huge chunk of the, the first couple of weeks when we moved in because things started to get really bad while they were on an extended stay with their grandparents and school kept getting canceled and pushed back. And, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. There were closures. And so to avoid spreading anything, it was just stay there. So in some ways there was an ease to it because we were already established by the time the kids got there, but there were also additional hardships of 
a family that is literally split apart by this disease kind of crippling travel and crippling how you can interact with one another. And it was, it was tricky. And in, like I said, in some ways I think it helped because they came in and it wasn't, we were all moving in at the same time, but they came into an established home. They had a room, they had things set up and we were able to go, okay, this is your room. Okay. This is our TV, but you can use it. Here's the rules. And we, we did a whole tour of the house and, you know, it helped in that way, but the challenge was then once they were in, it was like, congratulations, I hope you really like it. You're not going anywhere for a while. So, uh, you know, we had these big, glorious ideas of what all this was going to be, and we've been in quarantine ever since. So yeah. it it did not go at all as expected. Well, let's talk about that. So 2020 has been a very challenging year for a lot of us for a variety of reasons. Uh, what has made 2020 most challenging for you in, in this whole situation? Uh, so I think the biggest hurdle, and we've said it a couple times uh, inside as we, you know, as we face problems and issues as they come up, is right now everybody's living on top of each other. There's no escape. You know, if, if I'm having a bad day, it's extremely hard for me to take myself out of my fiance's life, out of the kid's life, and have a bad day. I can't go to a, a cafe and sit and write and get away from everything. Uh, they can't get away from me. We can't send the kids over to a friend's house to play. You know, we are living on top of each other. And, you know, we had crazy hurdles that, you know, had nothing even to do with this. I lost my job as a part of this. So now I was home 24 seven and then my uh my fiance uh she left that job because she worked in the same place and things were going in a real downward direction there and she got a new job which was work from home as a result so now she's home 24 7 and the kids started school which is you know online learning so they're home all the time and so everybody you know it's a decent sized apartment we're in but we're still all kind of just stacked up and there's no reprieve when people are frustrated or having a hard time. And, you know, especially for two kids, uh, one of them's eight, the other's nine, they're so close in age that they bicker and they fight and they get on each other's nerves. And there's just enough of an age gap between them to where um, the younger one just wants to spend time with the older and just everything that his sister's doing is interesting and she's having all the fun and I'm super interested in it. And she's just at that age of, I don't want my little brother around. Mm -hmm. And it's just that perfect divide of they drive each other crazy, but where do you send them? You know, it's, yeah. it's a one apartment. How do you separate that? Yeah. So that has been for us. I think the biggest challenge is finding ways to coexist in this space every single day. Yeah, that's tough, man, especially in an apartment like that's yeah, you're you're really right on top of each other. Like, how are you handling that for your own mental sake, your fiance's mental sake and also for the kids sake? Do you guys have any things specific that you're trying to do? We have some definite uh, rules in place that that helped 
a lot at the start. We have two rooms that are basically off limits to the kids without asking to come in, which is the office and the bedroom. And we try to make those approachable when we feel they need it uh, so that they don't feel like they're cut off from us, but it also gives us a space that we can go to kind of escape, to kind of, you know, find ourselves in those moments. It's a little trickier for them. I don't think we realized just how much that personal space was going to be needed for them. And that's becoming more and more apparent as it has gone on. So we're actually, one of the things we've planned to do is we're getting them loft style beds, which have a little space underneath where we're going to put a little curtain and a little way to maybe give them a little privacy, even if they're both in the room, or at least to indicate to the other, hey, we need some space. Don't come in here. And, smart. you know, some some ways to communicate that because they're having such a, a struggle in that regard. Yeah. And then you got another little one on the way. So mm -hmm. how is that going to work? Are you guys do you guys have a space already set up for him? Uh, we have an idea of where it's going to be. Uh, we have the the master bedroom in our apartment is actually pretty big. And so as a result of all this moving stuff around and we, my parents are donating some furniture to help us out. And uh, we have a pretty decent space in the bedroom where we're going to be able to set up, you know, a crib and a play area. And there's going to be a couch set up so that, you know, it's not just sitting on the bed, but we'll actually have a place to sit if we want to sit with the little one or when he's feeding and things like that. So we've, we've kind of made the best of what we can with the space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, but I think that you you're approaching it really well. I love that idea of having your own little sanctuaries, if that's the right word for it. That's, yeah. a, that's important, man. Oh my gosh. I'm lucky enough to have this studio here in the basement where it's like, okay, I need to step away. I go downstairs and, and that's great. But you know, if you don't have that sort of space, you, you got to figure something out. Right. Like that's really yeah one one thing or another. I mean, I've always been this way. When I was a kid, my parents used to make fun of people. Still do because it's too long. But I used to always be made fun of by my parents because I would go into the bathroom and I'd be in the bathroom for hours. They were like, <laughs> "What? What are you doing in there?" And the thing is, is just I knew that that was a room where mom and dad wouldn't bug me. Yeah, nobody's gonna come and tell me to clean my room. I can't. I'm in the bathroom. What do you want? Yeah. And so I would drag a box of Star Wars toys and a book <laughs> and uh, I just drag it all into the bathroom and shut the door and I would be in there for hours and then there'd be a knock at the door. What are you doing in there? Are you OK? Yeah, I'm fine. Just go to the bathroom. You've been in there for hours. Yeah, well, you know, just go into the bathroom. Sometimes I take you, a bath yeah. afterwards. <laughs> and that, that still holds true because I have had days where I've just been like, I need everyone to leave me alone. And at that moment, it's it's time to shower. Like, it's like, OK, well, I'm going to go take a shower right now. Like, you know, so I still am up to my old tricks of bathroom is the ultimate sanctuary if need be. That's where that's where you can retreat. To. That is hilarious. I, I feel you on that, though. I'm I've got that introverted thing where I just need to separate. I need to recharge and then I can get back out there and do it. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people listening to this are like, oh, yeah, me too. Uh, they have their own version of the bathroom. It might even be the bathroom, uh, yeah. especially with your phone. You can just sit there for hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a great spot. Oh, and yeah. if you have to go to the bathroom, you're already there. Yeah, you're already sitting there anyway. That's great. You know, let's talk about uh, now with this shift 
of becoming a dad. What, what does it mean to you? Like, what was your reaction, your your gut feel when you got that news that that you were going to be a dad? I genuinely thought because, you know, you think about these things and you think, how am I going to react? I'd react great. You know, I I feel like me and I, I'm sure other people do it, too. You always compare and contrast to the movies like movies present to you what you expect reality to be, because that's no one sits you down and goes, OK, here's what the moment that somebody tells you they're pregnant. That's this is how you're going to feel. So you just go off of the times you've seen it and the times you've seen it have been on movie or TV show and all of that. And so you always see the like extreme reactions of people going, Oh, my life is over going. Yes. And they lift someone up and give them a spin around and the music swells and it's beautiful. And I walked into the bedroom. I had just finished recording a show and she told me I was going to be a dad and I just sat down and went, oh. And then she said, how do you feel about that? And I said, I don't know. And then <laughs> she said, are you OK? And I said, I don't know. And she asked me another question. I said, I don't know. And it was the only answer I had to just about every question for a good five to ten minutes was just, I don't know. I just broke as a human being as I tried to process everything. And, you know, ultimately, I landed in a good place with it. I wasn't upset, but I definitely, you know, anybody that's sitting there going like, oh, it's going to be the most amazing thing. Well, sure, maybe if it's what you're trying for. This was not necessarily planned. In fact, I would say actions were taken uh, to prevent this outcome <laughs> so it was a surprise yeah. and uh and as a result you know i definitely needed some time to process it it wasn't a magical moment but it was a moment that i i had to get my head around because it wasn't that i rejected the idea it's not that i was like oh i'm gonna be a father gross i had always kind of wanted it and i knew deep down you know the her kids are pretty great most of the time and they're very loving even towards, you know, it, towards everybody. They're, they're very generous and very kind, but they have a dad that loves them very much and is still a part of their life. And I'm never going to be that. And so there was this element of when our relationship started of going, okay, I know I'm never going to be dad. I can be great. I can be loved. They can think I'm great. You know, that's the positive side of the spectrum, but I'm never going to be dad. And so I did ask myself and I said, you know, well, do you want to be dad? Are you, you know, do you want to have another kid? Do you want to be dad? And the answer to that was yes. And so when she told me that part of me was very excited, but there's that other part of you that's just like, I don't know how we're handling two kids right now. How are we going to add a third? I don't have a job right now. How are we going to make this work? What on earth are we going to do? I am going to be the worst father ever. We are starting on a bad foot. I'm already a failure. And you have that competing against it. And it's like, okay, how do I argue both these sides and as a result i just stayed right in the middle of i don't know there's 
there's two very big concepts fighting. And like they say in Godzilla, I need to just let them fight and I'll be back to you once there's a clear winner. How much time did you spend in the bathroom after she told you? <laughs> I don't I don't remember. I'm sure I did. But you actually went to the bathroom, <laughs> though, which is great. <laughs> uh I I think she had well we were clearly in denial. We have, you know, some people save their their pregnancy tests as kind of like a memento to show like, you mm-hmm. know, hey, this is where we found out. We got 3 of those uh because it tells you the state of mind we were in of like <laughs> really though are you really though we should get another one just to be sure. And then it was like, okay, but maybe we should get a digital one. <laughs> So uh, also heads up for anybody. Here's a here's a potential dad to be tip. There's a free tip. If you are the sentimental type that says I would like to hang on to the pregnancy test as like, oh, this is a neat little souvenir. Then I would recommend not going digital because that will not save the readout and you will not have it forever. You will just have a used pregnancy test, which is P on it. Yeah, it's like, congratulations, if you go through your childhood mementos, here's a stick your mom peed on. <laughs> it gave us information once, now it's in a box. Oh God, uh, so funny. Thankfully, we have two others that also confirmed what we needed confirmed three times. So at what point, though, like, you know, how, how long did it take for you to really come to terms with what happened? And now, you know, you're at a point where you've accepted it, or are you even there yet? I don't know if I'm there. There are times where I feel like I am. And there are times where I, I don't feel like I am. You know, I know, I know I feel different than I did. I I know that my perception of the world and how I view things. And, you know, they always say that like, Oh, it changes your life. And it, it does in, at least it did for me in some pretty, you know, not in any major ways right out of the gate, but in like a thousand tiny ways. Right. And all of a sudden you're looking at people with their kids and you're going, that's about to be me. And you're, you know, you're thinking about things, you hear topics that are being discussed and maybe you didn't have an opinion on it before. Now all of a sudden you do. And you're like, I got opinions about everything now. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, it does shift your perspective. And when I think about that, I think, well, yeah, then I clearly know what's going on. But then there's another part of me that just goes, I am so not prepared. I don't think I think this is real enough yet. So uh, I think it's both. I think it's a thing that maybe you're not ever prepared for until you're just doing it's just the thing you do yeah i'm telling you i'm three years in with aria and i still we're figuring it out (laughs) there's never any end to it you know but i I think part of it is you have something to look forward to out of all this shit that has been going on throughout the entire year i mean this has been a really crappy year for a lot of people um and there is something to look forward to with that time you're going to spend with your son and the relationship you're going to build Uh, What sort of things are kind of going through your mind about like things that you want to get your kid into that perhaps you're really into? For me, it was like, I I really want Arya to like Star Wars. And if she doesn't like Star (laughs) Wars, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. So like for you, do you have anything like that? Oh, yeah, I've got a ton. I I don't want to go into it. You know, I want the kid to be their own person. And I don't want to feel like I come at them with a 100 million things and go, this is what you like now. Um, but I, there are a lot of things that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to, to share that with them. 
Um, there's a really kind of like, I guess shitty part of the back of my mind that's like, I want the kid to be super into horror movies and dinosaurs because it will drive his mom crazy. Um, Wait, okay, I get, I get horror movies because, you know, my wife doesn't like horror movies either. What's wrong with dinosaurs? She she thinks they're right up there with horror movies. Like, really? she's scared of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, I get it. I watched Jurassic Park when I was a kid and had sure. dreams about T-Rexes coming after me. The difference is I woke up and was like, that was awesome. <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. What a wonderful thing that was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a part of me that just wants to have uh, an ally in the pro dinosaur, pro scary things camp. Um, but, you know, I just want, you know, I want just a, a nerdy kid uh would be great but even if they're not i just want the kid to you know know empathy like to me that's that's the one thing like i don't care if you're a football player or into dinosaurs or a math nerd or whatever this kid's going to end up being that's fine as long as you're the kind of person that can look at another human being and go i should show some compassion towards that person god really well said man i think that's glossed over way too much and especially with boys you know like you hear a lot of like that machismo thing coming out and you know man's got to be a man like but there's still empathy and compassion and love that you can lead with and everything you do and i i feel like for like a lot of men who listen to the show i really try to have them think about you know what you just said try to instill that same sort of sense of love and compassion and empathy onto your sons, you know. Um, it's easier to Im- to impart it on on girls for some reason, but, you know, like, for some reason it's glossed over when it comes to boys. I don't. I just don't think that should be the thing. Right. I, I think there is, like you said, there's a, a sense of uh, machismo, which I 100% lack as a human being. I am oh, me the too. Least, I'm the least macho man on the planet, So I'm already going to have a hard time giving that. So like that's I don't know where the kid would learn that if it (laughs) developed. I'd say, well, he certainly didn't learn to be a man from me. Uh, I so I don't know. Uh, But at the same time, like I've never you know, my dad um, to me, when I when I think of like the (laughs) the definition of manly, um, you know, I think a lot of us think of of our dads and my dad was you know, he fell into a lot of those categories, extremely handy with tools. He worked as a boat mechanic, so frequently came home smelling, you know, like a like a machine shop and oil and stuff like that. And he built things out of wood and, you know, he <laughs> did all the things that we immediately just stereotypically associate with macho. But he he also wasn't that guy. He was also the one in my household that was the most compassionate, that was the nicest, that was the person who liked to de-escalate arguments. And you know, I think I think it's weird to me the concept that you can't have all those things because I that's not how I grew up. You know, I grew up right. with a dad that loved cars and racing and sports and all of that. And I, I did part of it and some of it I was into and some of it I wasn't, but he's also the nicest person I know. So I think you can definitely have both. Yeah. Let's actually shift to your dad. Now, one of the things I really like to cover on this show is 
your own upbringing, from your own father, how that might be influencing or informing how you're approaching fatherhood yourself. What are some of those traits? Like you talked about empathy and compassion, or were, were there anything, any specific things that he did where you're like, yeah, I want to bring that into my relationship with my son? I think the biggest thing was, you know, he, we learn from the good and we learn from the bad. And I, I really learned from him the moments where he was very active and into the things I was into, um, always felt really great. And the times that he wasn't, you know, that, that was always the hard stuff. But I think the thing that my dad was always the best at, um, was just his sense of humor. You know, that's the thing I always associate with him and a uh, sense of humor and a level headedness. My my mom has a, a short fuse and I definitely inherited that. I, I can get that way, too, especially when it comes to family. Um, and my dad has always been the peacemaker and I've inherited a little bit of that, too. So I'm quick to temper, but also quick to go like, hey, let's patch things up Um and I think that that's what I would want to pass on. I would want to pass on that level-headed approach to things of like, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, this thing might have really upset me or I might have been really upset about that. Is that the end of the world? Is life going to go on? Am I happier if we're all just happy and content with life rather than just being angry? Yeah, that seems better. Let's go with that. Yeah, did you ever grow up with like your dad and I think you talked about this and just to get clarity it's like did you was your dad not into some of the things that you were into as a kid like did he get into video games and other stuff like that with you they were at first it always felt like a weird bait and switch with my parents because <laughs> they were way into Atari and uh, Nintendo and I can remember playing a lot of games with them when I was very little. And my dad had a Sega Genesis that he really liked because he liked playing a golf game on there. But then there was just a point where they just lost interest and I became excessively interested. And so it went from this thing that we shared to this thing that was mine. And that caught me a little off guard growing up because it was like, well, wait a minute. We were all into this thing. Where'd yeah. you all go? But uh, I was I was into a lot of things as a kid, and I don't know how much of that was me, and I don't know how much of that was them encouraging it, uh, just trying to give me opportunities to explore everything I wanted to do. Because when I was a kid, I mean, I was into video games, and I was into wrestling and i was into i was doing theater productions that they were very involved in and i played baseball and i played basketball and i played soccer um i was just kind of doing things all all over the place as far as interests and hobbies i was into video games and i was into reading and i was into art and i remember them taking me to art classes and you know there I had this big, diverse bunch of interests that they all seemed to support, you know, to some extent. And they just kind of let me figure it out. And as I drifted away from things, they said, yeah, that's fine. Okay, you're not into that. Cool. And as I brought up new things, uh, they didn't stop me. They were They were very rarely ever a barrier, except for one time when I came home and said, guys, I want to be a lounge singer. And they, what? And they and they just said to me, you can't sing. 
<laughs> wait, 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 hold on. No, no, no. We, we can't just gloss over that. So what inspired you to want to be a lounge singer? Uh, so I knew I couldn't sing. And the first time I heard a lounge singer, and this is not true. I realize this is not true. But I think I just didn't like the style of music as a kid. And so I thought, oh, well, if you want a lounge sing, you just got to get kind of a deep voice like this. And you just sort of sing. And that's all you got to do. And you don't actually have to have any talent was the thought. Oh, my God. Again, if there's, I don't know if you have a large <laughs> lounge singing audience listening to this. Uh, it's about 33% of the audience. I Johnson. don't want to get you a bunch of emails. <laughs> I recognize there's a lot of talent in there. But I figured it was something that anybody could do, and therefore I could do it. And uh, they they shot that one down. Wow. But it's such a funny, oddly specific thing, a lounge singer. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I love how your brain works. That's amazing. <laughs> so, so shifting gears back to video games, um, I was just upstairs playing Chrono Trigger with my daughter. Oh, hey. I, I, I know that that's one of your favorite all-time video games and uh i've got it's so funny hearing aria go hey daddy can we play chrono trigger and i'm like yeah (laughs) what sort of games do you want to involve your kids with i mean that's my hope is that they get into narrative games you know i want to i won't lie i want a kid that appreciates a good story and uh so that's kind of important to me um with the with my fiance's kids, you know, they're they're into a lot of the stuff that is popular right now with kids and it makes sense, but they're into like Roblox and they come and talk to me about Roblox. And I'm a gamer and I couldn't be less interested <laughs> in Roblox. So oh, it's too, this weird thing where all they want to do is video game. And I thought like, oh, this will be great. They love video games. I love video games. And then when I started finding out what they played and what they liked, all of a sudden I was just passing judgment. I was like, you don't like games. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. These aren't good. Oh, um, so it's been, there's been a bit of a challenge. And I think maybe in the case of my son, I might be a little picky as to what games he gets exposed to. You know, he might pull the, well, dad, all the kids at school are... I hopefully I don't know if this will be around still, but all the kids at school are telling me about Fortnite, and that's what I got to play. And I'll go, oh, well, you not. know what's you know what's better than Fortnite? Let me let me show you Chrono Trigger. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like Fortnite only better, you yeah. know. So I might try and do a little gatekeeping, but at the end of the day, you know, if if it's one of those things where that's where his interests lie, then that's where his interests lie, and and that's the road we'll go down. Yeah, the whole video game scene these days with with kids is very different like i remember growing up playing you know final fantasy chrono trigger uh uh what was another dark crystal if you ever played that um like a lot of the i'm realizing like a lot of them are kind of jrpg ish and and that's fine but there was there was a good narrative a good story to it um sometimes shallow but still there was a story element to it Uh, so much of today's gaming environment is very centered around that multiplayer uh competitive aspect and i wonder at what point do we come to terms with that and and, you know like i kind of feel like that curmudgeon get off my lawn and play my chrono trigger um do you do you feel like there will be a day where you're going to tell your son 
no, no, you're not going to play that Fortnite stuff, or are you just going <laughs> to let him play what he's going to play? You know, I think that probably his interest early on is going to, it's going to stem from what I'm doing, you know, probably. And it's going to be like, well, what games is dad playing? And dad's not going to be playing Fortnite unless they remove building. If they took building oh, out, I absolutely. might play Fortnite. Uh, but he's going to probably look at it and go, well, what kind of games are dad is dad playing? And, and maybe we'll build something there. I mean, for me, I know early on, I was very, uh, when I was in second grade, I was terrible at reading. I just, they, they wanted to hold me back because I couldn't read and my parents got hooked on phonics and I, that was a nightmare. I hated it. Oh, and yeah. I learned to read in spite of hooked on phonics. I didn't learn from hooked on phonics, but I hated listening to it so much that I made up my mind to go fine. I will learn to read as long as I don't have to listen to this crap anymore. I will do it. And it turned around. And by the time I was done with the third grade, I was reading at a college level. And what? really? I, yeah, I, I was, I went from zero to 60 in the realm of reading. And so the idea of video games, I just, I got caught up in the idea of like, Oh, wait a minute books are like movies you know it's such a kind of a cliche thing to say it's the kind of thing you tell a kid to try and get them excited about books but if they find that out on their own it's like a revelation mm -hmm. if you tell them that they look at you like you're crazy but uh i got really into it and it was a case of i think one of the biggest turnarounds for me now i'd already been reading fairly advanced stuff at this point but i was such a jurassic park fan when that movie came out that I went to the bookstore and I wanted to get the novel because I just, you know, didn't just watch movies immediately. It was like, I want to see Jurassic Park every day and I can't. So I'll read the book. And I bought the novel and I remember the guy at the bookstore looked at me and he said, oh, this isn't the one you want because I grabbed the actual novel. And he goes, the young adult uh, or the, the youth novelization is back there. And I said, no, this is the one I want. And he looked at my grandma my grandma just sort of shrugged. And uh, so I bought that and I read that, you know, right around the time that movie came out. I just remember going, oh, my gosh, this is like getting a whole nother movie. There's stuff in this book that wasn't in the movie. Uh -huh. This is insane. And I got so into that notion. And so video games with a strong narrative just became that for me. It was like, oh, my gosh. I love movies and it turns out everything can be a movie if you can read. So I just really threw myself into it. And that was where my love for JRPGs came from and uh, reading and comic books and basically anything that could tell me a wonderful story. I got very excited about. Yeah. See, that's killer. I totally jive with what you're saying because that's, and you know, we have joystick and mouse or, or video game podcast here on the network that that is, one of the things that we really lean into a lot is talking about narrative driven story and why that's kind of important as a medium. And, uh, I really do hope that kids, kids these days don't, you know, lose track of that. Right. So I think that that would be, uh, it would be such a shame if that doesn't continue to be something that, that people enjoy. Um, you know, I, I want to always kind of end the show on some words of wisdom, right? Like you have encountered quite a bit of challenge, uh, this year, as you talked about losing your job, 
uh, finding out you're going to be a dad, you know, kind of uh, there's there's some challenge there, excitement and challenge all, yeah. all at once. If you were to talk to John at the beginning of this year, when all this crap went down, what would you tell him as far as words of wisdom go? Oh, that's hard. Uh, I think for me, you know, I think I would have to just be honest with myself. And if I could talk to me at the start of the year right now, I would say, look, dude, this year is not going to go at all the way you expect. And I have to be honest with you. I'm not out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in the middle of the maelstrom. I'm not even in the eye of the storm yet at the moment. And I don't know how this turns out. But each time you are presented a challenge this year, you can push through it. You're still here, obviously, now talking to yourself. This is getting complicated. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just keep going. You know, just trust in yourself. You, you can do it. Um, because... You in January said, this is enough. This is all I can deal with. And let me tell you, you in September have dealt with a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. So just keep going. You know, life for me, and I guess this is the overall bit of knowledge. Uh, life has never gone as planned, uh, but it has been universally surprising when I've least expected it. And the one thing that we always do is we always look back and we always go, oh, man, in hindsight, if I had known then, you know, I, I had a job that I thought I really hated. <laughs> I did hate it. It wasn't a thought. A job I, I thought I really hated. And when I left that job, I, I thought that the job that followed was going to be just a, a quick little pit stop. It wasn't going to mean anything. I thought, well, I'll do this. I'll make a little bit of money and then I'll move on to whatever's next. And that was the plan. And at the same time that I had left that other job, a relationship that I had been in for four years where I thought I was going to get married had ended. Mm. And I thought, boy, you know, I'm never going to have that again. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. I messed up my shot. It happened and I screwed it up and this is where I'm at. And both that new job and the lack of the relationship led me to this place. Um, hardship is just the gap we have to cross. And when you get to the other side, more often than not, you're better off than you were. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. And, and not surprised to, I'm not surprised to hear the eloquence behind that because you do have. Uh, away with words, as as we hear, and this is a nice little segue. I don't know if you hear exactly where I'm going with this, but it's a too. it's a it's a nice segue into some of the stuff that you're working on, John. Um, I've really enjoyed the work that you do. Uh, why don't you tell folks at home uh, some of the projects that you have going on if they want to check you out? Sure. So uh, I will first of all always say, you know, anything new and exciting or places that I pop up like this show, uh, you can hear me talking about on Twitter. 
Uh, you can follow me at John underscore Jagger. But if you want to catch more of my content itself, the stuff that I know about on a weekly basis, you can catch me talking about uh, video games on a show called Core. And that is a podcast that's part of the Frog Pants Network. You can find out about that at frogpants.com slash core. Uh, I also talk specifically about World of Warcraft on a show called Azeroth Roundtable, and you can find that show at azerothroundtable.com. And of course, the big passion project that I just love being a part of, and I think was part of the transition, uh, There Will Be Dungeons, which is uh, me and a bunch of friends all playing D&D and putting it on the internet for uh, for everybody to hear the adventure. And you can find out more about that at therewillbedungeons.com. Well, it's yeah, and all of those are wonderful shows. Uh, there will be dungeons is uh, is a favorite of mine. Just uh, and your character is one of my highlights there. I mean, all of you guys have have some kind of a highlight for me. Where did you get the inspiration for Stanley's accent? Uh, well, I think I'm trying to remember where I came up with it. So. I know on core, we had been doing a segment called Dear Martha, which the idea behind it was uh, kind of letters home uh, from the Civil War, but with a video game twist to them. So it would always be right. my dearest Martha today, <laughs> a giant ape stole uh, the princess and I had to ascend a flight of stairs to get to her. I don't expect to ever see you again. I got hit by a barrel. You know, it was always <laughs> just like, okay, it's it's what if video game characters were writing home during the Civil War, essentially. Right. Uh, that was the that was the joke. And it was a voice I was doing on that. And when I was coming up with the idea for Stanley, he was a bard. Uh, which was a class I didn't want to play and is now probably my favorite class in the game. Yeah. And I had kind of gotten stuck in the support role. I was sort of like, as we were deciding our characters, it was sort of a case of, well, oh, do what you want, do what you want, do what you want. And uh, Scott had snagged up Sorcerer and, and Kyle and Kristen had kind of landed on being the Barbarian. And uh, Bo had kind of pitched the idea of a custom class being a Road Warrior which had put Kristen on, she thought like, oh, if Bo has a unique idea, I'll take warrior. Um, so I'll, I'll do the fighter. Right. And so I was like, all right, well, we got a lot of melee. We got magic. We probably need a support. And I told Bo, I was like, okay, I'll be a cleric. And he was like, no, don't be a cleric. <laughs> and he talked me out of <laughs> Wait, it. Why? why? Why not a cleric? I'm curious of that. Well, he has since taken this back. Uh, so he will... He will probably argue it. At the time, Bo was only just learning 5e, and he had only ever really played previous versions. Oh, okay. And he did not like the cleric experience that he had had in, I think it was 4th edition, and he had just assumed, for some reason, that they had stayed bad. He's like, funny. you're not going to have fun. It's obviously not what you want to be. Don't be a cleric. So... I was like, okay, well, that leaves like Druid, which seems like a really stupid choice for a wasteland setting. Yeah. So I was like, can I even control plants if there's no plants? And Bo was very noncommittal about that. So I was <laughs> like, all right, well, it's not going to be that. Um, so I kind of got stuck with Bard. And I was like, but I can't sing, as we've established. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I can't sing. And, you know, there's some, some pretty amazing bard play out there in the D&D &D podcast realm uh, that is a hard thing to live up to. And I said, Bo, can I 
be a bard, but like maybe instead of song, I just give really good speeches and be like a talky bard. He was like, well, how does that work? And I was like, I don't know. Maybe he's like a politician, like a greasy kind of politician trying to sell you on stuff. And Bo fell in love with that idea. And so he let me run with it. And so the idea was I was going to play a character named Oily Stan Billings. <laughs> and um, I was going to be basically a bard uh, slash rogue and support my party uh, however I could. And he's going to be real skeevy and out for himself and all of that. And then the campaign started and it became very clear that that is not a character that this party needed. So yeah. it shifted gears and, and the true character of Stanley um, is probably a lot of me and certain aspects of me just cranked up to 11. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's yeah. really where he came from. Dude. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I love it. And everybody here who is listening to this show should absolutely check out There Will Be Dungeons. Um, my confession is that I'm on episode like 40 something. I'm really far behind, John. I'm no, really that's far. fine. That's great. That's what makes the Dungeons and Dragons stuff so good, though, is it's that good. you, can, no, you I, can just it will always be there and you can just go to it. And and what the way it works is that because I'm so busy making content you know i hardly get to listen to content but when i do it's there will be dungeons um and uh, unless i'm catching one of scott's shows live or something and uh it has been a pleasure listening to that you know as i uh go outside and mow the lawn or i am you know going running errands or something but with that you know comes i'm so far behind but i'll tell you what folks at home just because you're far behind what john said it's there it's worth listening from the beginning. Do yourself a favor. So go check out everything that John is doing. Again, you can follow him on Twitter, John underscore Jagger there. Uh, he's always talking about the stuff that he's doing. So go check that out. Again, our guest has been John Jagger. Thank you very much for your time today, man. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been nice to talk about some different stuff. This was a very different experience from what I normally get asked to talk about. And I, I loved it. Well, great, John. Thank you. And you did great and uh, congratulations again. One of my biggest takeaways from the conversation that I have with John is just how much goodness is actually happening this year. I don't wanna necessarily downplay any of the crap that has gone on in 2020, but if you look at some of the stuff happening in your life, yeah, there's a lot of adversity, but also there's bits of goodness sprinkled into all that. Take a look and reflect on how far you've come this year. And you might see that perhaps it's not all bad and be appreciative of the good things in your life. The Dad Chronicle is meant to be a resource for parents out there who are looking for perspective around how to handle some of the challenges around parenting. And if you appreciate this show and wanna support it, become a patron today. Head over to thedadchronicle.com. There's a link there to become a patron. Find a level that works for you. Every dollar helps. And if you'd like to reach out to me and comment on anything that we talked about on today's show, you can email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.